Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I am your host, Dave Hopkins, and I've got a fellow Canadian on the show today. But before that, my guest today also comes from a studio that specializes a lot in print design. They do a lot of print design. And I created this little sort of quick reference guide for graphic designers who are preparing files and sending files in for print. That could be packaging, a booklet, a brochure, whatever, whatever you are printing. If you want that free guide, which basically tells you the top things to look for in your file, don't overlook them. Just double check them before sending to your printer. If you miss these things, it can be a back and forth between you and the printer for updates or things you need to add into the file before they can work with it, or it can go through proofing a little bit and actually be costly that you missed those, and it can cost you money for another round of proofing. So head over to thequickiepodcast.com and enter your email address there, and we will send you that free guide. All right, today's guest. My guest today is Amanda Schutz. She is the creative director and illustrator at Curio, which is a studio in Edmonton, Alberta. The studio has been around for over 15 years now, and in that amount of time, Amanda tells us the, some of the struggles that she's had in this leadership role, going through partnership breakdowns, going through bringing up kids and raising a family you know, as the leader of a creative studio. We also get into projects that she's extremely proud to have been involved in and the stuff from the early days, the silkscreen t-shirt printing and uh, the album cover artwork that really got you know ignited that design fire for her. This episode is loaded and you know it's for everybody, but there's something in this one for the ladies. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Amanda Schutz. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey Amanda, how are you today? I'm great, how are you? Great, thank you so much for being on the show today. Happy to be here. Awesome. Are you ready for a quickie then? I am ready for a quickie. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Sure. My name is Amanda Schutz. I am a 40-year-old, well, almost 40-year-old graphic designer and illustrator based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I'm a creative director and illustrator at my studio, Curio. Um, we're a team of three. And yeah, like I mentioned, we're located in Edmonton. And we focus on branding print design, illustration, and some digital. Awesome. Well done. You nailed the first question right out of the <laughs> gate. Thanks. Um, so Curio, how long has that been kicking for? Um, formally, the studio has been in operation for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated from the design program I went through in, I believe it was 1999, 
uh, and worked at a couple of engineering firms doing in-house graphic design mm -hmm. and was doing a bit of freelance during that time. Um, but I eventually like formally quit the in-house design gig and started the studio uh, just over 15 years ago. Just over 15 years ago. That's amazing. Good for you. It's been a while, I have to say. <laughs> these, wrink <laughs> these, wrink these wrinkles don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> the stress lines. <laughs> okay, Amanda, this is where I want to go back even further into your childhood. And I want to ask you what that was like. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path? Um, well, for me, I wouldn't say that um, it was obviously creative because, I mean, I grew up in small town Alberta and my family, like all of my family members work in the trade. So like my father is an electrician, my mother worked in a bakery, my grandfather was a welder, my uncle is a carpenter. So I don't really feel like I had any direct creativity surrounding me. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess like, um, you know, like my family didn't even really, you know, have the interest or, or willingness to like take me to an art gallery or expose me to theater or anything like that. But, you know, now that I look back, you know, many years later, I do notice that like some of those family members, even though it's not so obvious that their work is creative work, there is still like creative components to the the design of like the curtains that my grandma would make as a seamstress or the design of like the cabinets that my uncle would create. So like I kind of see the layers to it now, but it's it wasn't an obviously like creative childhood that said. Um, I did have lots of support from my family. So like, um, you know, I was always encouraged to draw and like my uncle, he built me like an art table for my room. And um, like I painted murals in my bedroom when I was a teen. So I had a lot of like support from my family creatively. Cool. So I'm interested then with, you know, you had the support there, but what, where did you first get introduced to design and illustration and that creative? Okay. Yeah, well, you know what? It feels like a little embarrassing to tell this story, but like when I was in high school, <laughs> when I was in high school, like I, you know, I really loved art and there was like kind of a visual communication course um, that was like silk screening and photography and things like that. So I was obviously involved in all of those types of things, but I didn't actually really know what graphic design was when mm -hmm. I was a, uh, like like going into figuring out like what to do for a career and like there was just this kind of defining moment where my fine art teacher in high school just basically handed me a brochure for design college and like I showed it to my mom and like the brochure basically said that there was like a really good chance I could get a job uh, doing this thing called graphic design <laughs> and I saw that there was like drawing courses in the program so I signed up for it without really understanding what graphic design fully was. <laughs> Perfect, but you like you were like I like drawing, so yeah. The connect, yeah, there was the connecting elements, but like it didn't come until later that I that I realized like that I would be designing logos or brochures or something like this. Got it. So I'm curious. Then was there a moment, you know, in that childhood area where you really started noticing or seeing design and illustration out in the world? Um, well, I definitely started getting really more interested in like music and album co covers like in my teen years so uh -huh. like I do have like distinct memories of like loving all the Pearl Jam album covers and like I don't know if you remember like if you know Pearl Jam or like yeah. the, the the album Vitalogy or Vitalogy it was like such a beautiful design and like a perfect booklet with all of this interesting photography 
throughout it. And I like replicated the typography uh, off the front in Ruby Lith and cut it out by hand and then silkscreened it onto t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's kind of so, like a little I, class project yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was actually a school project like to do the silkscreening and stuff, but like I, you know, when I was like thinking about the questions, I was just really realizing that that probably was a moment where I was actually like thinking about design and noticing design. That's cool. Yeah. Cause we never, you know, you don't really know in the moment. You're just like, Oh, this is really cool. Totally. Got it. So is there a design sort of outside of that one that stands out maybe as the most influential design of your life so far? I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm a person who loves a lot of things. So like, I, I mean, I don't feel like I can really answer that question because it was like, I almost fell into design because I was so um, almost like naive and unaware of like what it really meant, uh, what design really meant. So uh -huh. I mean, it wasn't until like after I went through college and started getting exposed to design and doing some traveling that I started to look at things and see things and start to fall in love with like seeing design in everyday life, whether it be like, um, you know, print designer posters or like industrial design and furniture. So like I really thought about it and I just I don't think that there was one specific thing, but it just kind of was like lots of little things that built up. That's cool. I like that, though. That's you get a lot of influence <laughs> from a lot of different places. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you then, Amanda, do you have certain designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow now? And what is it about them that you like? Um, well, one, like, I mean, I would say overall, like any woman who is leading in the design industry is an inspiration to me. Um, just because like, uh, for me, like I've been, you know, running my studio for so many years and learning so many things the hard way. So when I see a, like a successful woman either running a studio or in a position of leadership, I find that to be instantly inspiring. Awesome. But from, yeah, but from the, like, from the, like, um, you know, inspiration around the work uh, is concerned. I would say that Marian Banshees is probably one of like my most favorite uh, designers that I look up to philosophically and and work-wise and I would say that like part of the reasoning for that is because I've always kind of uh, toggled between the design world and the fine art world in a lot of ways and I'm always looking for ways to kind of um, bridge the gap between design and art and I take on a lot of personal like illustration projects that kind of weave into fine art and with Marion she's her career has been so fascinating because she's worked um, you know, she ran her own studio and was like very successful in graphic design and typography. And now she's like more of a lone wolf in the sense that like her work is deeply personal and methodical. And um, like she labels herself more of like a graphic artist versus a graphic designer. And that's something where it's like when I imagine my career and like the trajectory of it, I would love to be like just developing projects that are um, you know, that are still infused in design and like have design principles, but also like retain like that beauty and the fine art side too. That's a great one. I like that. And that definitely, I can see <laughs> ties into your illustration work in that side. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And nature too. Like she's very nature focused as well. Oh, that's cool. So that leads me to sort of ask a question to you is, you know, where are you finding inspiration these days? Well, I mean, for me, like, um, I have, like, the, the projects that I have going on at the studio, which are, like, their own beast, and, like, a lot of those are team-driven, and, like, you know, 
Um, a lot of the influences for that work are like, you know, things that you would typically hear from a graphic designer. There's always like the trends and the colors and type that's kind of happening in the industry. But um, I do find, and like this may sound a little bit like a cliche, but um, nature is a huge inspiration for me and how I um, define my illustration work. And like mm -hmm. my illustration work often weaves into my professional design work too. Um, and like the interests around nature. So like in the last couple of years, I've really been digging deeper into um, looking at bridging science and illustration with botanical illustration and looking at um, different specimens of plants in the local river valley that we have here in Edmonton. And uh, like, I just feel like I'm kind of going like over a course of many years going down a rabbit hole of like discovering nature, like identifying specimens in nature and then like documenting them and trying to bring them to a wider audience so people can appreciate nature too. And I mean, I, I think a lot of this is like also influenced by the fact that I just had a, a son a, a couple of years ago and I really want him to appreciate and value nature as well. Awesome. That sounds really cool. You're mixing these. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so the next couple of questions I have for you are related to print and packaging design. And I know that Curio handles a fair amount of print stuff in there. Um, mm -hmm. And I just wanted to ask you sort of where you see print and packaging design in sort of the, the world. Is it still important? And do you have any projects you could share with us that are in that category? Well, I mean, you're, you're asking like a, a, a small team of print designers if print is still important. So of course we're going to, you know, be fierce and say like print is not <laughs> dead of course it's important but I do think that like in a digital age where like we're inundated with so much um digital collateral that like print is is um something that is like a refreshing thing that people may welcome in their lives mm -hmm. I know I know for us like with the way we approach projects at Curio even in our own self-promotion we still use a lot of print to reach our clients and potential clients and I mean, so often when we develop a print project and like use like a fancy finish or like make considerations around paper and the like the tactile experience, like we get the fee get that kind of feedback from clients where they appreciate that and it's like refreshing when like everything's like on the phone and iPad now. So mm -hmm. I mean, I would like to say that print is like definitely alive and thriving. I don't know any specific statistics around it, but because our studio is like a smaller studio and, um, you know, it's easier to keep a team of three busy versus like a large agency, like we still are doing print all the time. Mm -hmm. And as far as projects, that was the second part of your question, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, more recently, we've been developing like food packaging has been kind of an interesting one we've been digging into more recently. So like as an example, we just finished doing a brand for a high-end gelato product um, that's that was launched here locally called Little Bear. And we developed all like the stickers and the packaging uh, for that product. Um, we also do a lot of um, like layout and report projects here that, you know, some, some are printed, some are not printed, but when they are printed, you know, we have the opportunity to select binding and like um you know paper selection and then finally like i on the side with my personal projects i do a, like do some products where you know i'll develop like a sketchbook with a like a gold foil cover or um you know a set of stationery that has like a fancy varnish or finish and um, like all those little details really matter to us at the studio and like kind of we use those details to kind of elevate print 
for sure. And I really like how you said it earlier that in this sort of digital iPad social media world, you know, print mm-hmm. value, I think, has only increased. I would agree. Like, it's like a welcome relief. Totally. It's a, you know, it's almost where this, this generation is dying for really cool direct mail. Stop giving mm-hmm. me Instagram ads and send me some really cool direct mail. Mm-hmm. Or even just the difference between reading a book in the tub that's an actual physical book that you can like smell the pages versus like doing a, like a Kindle. Like yes. it's just no, no contest. <laughs> no, no contest. And real book books are outselling Kindle products and online magazines, all of that stuff year after year. Oh, really? Yep. That doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a win for print. <laughs> Um, So the next few questions I have for you, Amanda, take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes and Mm -hmm. you learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out um, for the listeners here. Sure. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Well, um, I like I was kind of thinking about this and I do like notice. I mean, it's not... This isn't like earth shattering, but I do find that like whenever I've had personal challenges in my life, it's always connected to some sort of work challenge and they kind of worked together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a lot of the reason of that is because like, because I run my own studio and I've been self-employed for so long that like, just because I have a problem in my life doesn't mean that like work stops, you know, like it's uh, my livelihood and it's like, you just kind of have to soldier through it. So for me, like the, the first challenge that comes to mind would be like um, 10 years ago, I used to run the studio with my ex-husband, who was my business partner as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided to go our separate ways and we had to kind of dissolve our partnership with the business. And what ended up happening is like he moved on and moved to a different city and continued being a designer. And then like I bought him out of the studio and continued with our clients and moved forward from that. But I did find that that time was super challenging and like um, a moment where it was like a shaking of the confidence professionally and like dealing with all the fallout with managing clients and staying like professional and cool while like still dying inside because you're going through like this emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. So, so that was a really, really hard time. Um, And then I would say the second time that like things became a little bit shakier for me was when I gave birth to my son. So um, I just found that like having Jacob, it was like one of those scenarios where I got pregnant and I had like a lot of ideas of how the maternity would go and how I could just like juggle running the studio with a baby. And I mean, you mentioned you have kids too, so you probably understand this. Uh, the the romantic version of how these things go is not uh, is a lot different than the reality version. Oh, so yeah, I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> I know. So it's like you have all these like romance ideas of it, and like I had just gotten a huge art grant at the time, so I had all this body of work to develop on the side, and you know I had to I had two employees and projects to run at the studio, and then still like you know like have this new baby, so like. Things like fell apart emotionally pretty quickly and I learned a lot from that time but I felt like the most strapped like energy and like emotion wise that I ever had in my life. So yeah, I would say that that's, those were the two big ones for me in the last 15 years that have been the hardest. Wow. So that the first one, I want to address them separately here. The first sure. with the dissolving of the partnership um, and you know, you 
basically taking it on, you know, rather than 50-50 partners, you're taking everything on now. Mm-hmm. How did you get through that transition, that really tough time? What do you think got you through? Um, well, I do think that, like, uh, relationships and support system played a key role. Like, um, I've always been a social person, and I know a lot of designers in our community. And I did find that, like, I had people kind of rally around me and hold me up during that time. But I also felt like, it, you know, like like anything in life, when things are really difficult, just allowing time to pass so the pain fades was a huge part of it, too. Um, you know, at first I felt very scared that I couldn't do everything because it's like when you have a partnership, there's like a person who does these sorts of skill set and then there's a person who does these other sorts of skill set. So I had to get over a lot of insecurities around like aspects of our business that my ex-husband was more responsible for and just Mm -hmm. feeling rebuilding confidence in like my own abilities took time. And then meanwhile, you kind of have to hide all of that from your clients because you don't want them to think that you are falling apart or that you're weak or anything like that. So there's just like a big circle of like, you know, like shame, hurt, anger, and that sort of thing. And it took time for it to fade, but like, looking back at it now, it just feels like, you know, all of that hard work kind of built resiliency and like confidence in me that applies to like how I behave and run my studio today. Yeah. You know, like when you're, you're in it, it feels horrible and you just want it to be over and (laughs) better and move on. Um, but that battling through it and that facing it every day, you know, like you said, you come out the other side, this stronger person that has just this higher level of understanding and more lessons learned and more knowledge and you're Mm -hmm. more wise and all of that. Totally. And I mean, all the pieces of it where you like the pieces that I thought were so strong at the time were like the shame and like, you know, people in the industry judging me or like the gossip and all of that. It seems so big at the time. And like, looking back at it, it just seems so minor now. And like, you know, you think that you're so important that people care about what you're going through. But really, it's like a lot of people go through divorces and it's not the end of the world. So I think that like these problems that we face seem really large at the time. But like when time passes, those feelings do fade. Perfect. And then the second one, you know, being a new mother and trying to balance that and running the studio. Oh, my gosh. How did you get through that? Well, I think that there were like definitely days where I got through it very poorly, <laughs> but I mean, I, I do have an, a, like, I had, I have an amazing team here, Graham and Rachel, they're both designers that work here at the studio and they, you know, they really stepped up to kind of help with the day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, like my, my, you know, Jacob's father, my husband, he also was like really helpful and like you know, understood that like my identity was really wrapped up in the studio and that to, to kind of have all these changes happen, they're going to like include a lot of, you know, like bumpy road and that kind of thing. So he was really supportive when like, I decided like I was still going to do all this art projects and I was still going to do all this and do all that. Like he didn't really discourage it. Like he just allowed me to kind of roll through all the feelings. So, I mean, again, I think in the end, like I said before with the, you know, the first challenge, it's like the support system is so key. Definitely. Support system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got a couple more tough ones and then we'll, then we'll turn this bus around for you, Amanda. Sure. Um, can you take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Sure. 
Well, I mean, I think that, like, um, I mean, I can speak to a specific story, um, but I do think that, like, generally speaking here at the studio, we find that, um, I mean, there's the typical problems that you face where there'll be, like, an error made or an unreasonable client or unruly this or unruly that, but Mm -hmm. I have found that, like, when you have clients that you've worked with for many, many years, um, that can be like really wonderful, but it also can um, have its own set of challenges in the sense that like we've had um, arts clients that we've worked with for like literally over a decade, like doing season materials year after year. And like, you know, there's like, it's kind of blossomed into a relationship where it's like more than a client. It's like a friendship too. Mm -hmm. And I think like managing the professional and the personal with that is kind of, kind of, Uh, different and I I think of like this one particular instance where like we do this work for a local theater and um, the client like even if if, even if he if he heard the story he would laugh too because it was just just a really difficult situation for everyone I think it was like a scenario where we had pitched creative every year so many times that like I was feeling really adventurous and wanting to push the client more and more and more because they are in the arts and like they, they're known for kind of like wackier design materials. Mm-hmm. And I pit, I pitched this project, I pitched this like creative where we're like building illustration entirely out of Play-Doh. Oh, cool. and, and the designer at the time, uh, Kristen, who used to work with me, she, she sculpted this beautiful concept and like we photographed it and we put it together. And like, I was so proud of the work. It seemed so interesting and different. And um, but we presented it to the client and like, they were just not feeling it at all. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't jiving with their vision for the year. And they just, they rejected it. And like, I had been working with this client for so many years. I think I had like maybe a false sense of security with being able to push the boundaries a little yeah. bit more. And it mm-hmm. just didn't work, work out the way that I had hoped. And we had like blown so many hours on the project too. So I think that like, and this was like many, many years into my career. And like, at that point I was like feeling pretty tough and like almost dead inside in the sense where it's like nothing <laughs> could break me. Yeah. But I do, I do remember like the, that creative getting rejected and like actually literally going to the bar and crying. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and it seems so silly to kind of look back at it and like, you know, like myself and the client, we, 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 we laugh about these things and try to be you know, professional about it, but it, that one stung, I have to say. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm feeling for you here. But you know what? Like those stories are everywhere, you know, where you just like get lost in an idea and just like hope they will pick it. <laughs> yeah. Invest the hours, etc. Anyway. Got it. Okay. Okay. One more, one more rough one and then we'll turn it around. Um, mm-hmm. What is something that you're struggling with in your career right now? Well, um, I mean, coming kind of looping back to the motherhood thing, I do think that, I mean, this is a typical answer for mothers in in work, but like managing and balancing my professional goals with my personal goals and like the health of my self and my family versus like all of the like creative ideas that I want to pursue is always super, super tricky for me. I feel like time is my biggest commodity these days and I have to be very careful about how I pick and choose to use that time and not like waste a moment of that time on something that is like not going to serve me or my family mm-hmm. or curio so, for that matter. Totally. I mean, that's, that's your work family. For sure. And like, I mean, that time that we do create, it's, it's, um, you know, for me, my, my son is in daycare 
during the day. So I feel like if I'm going to be working, that time should be used efficiently and it should be like, it should be joyful too. So it shouldn't be time that's spent away from him to do work that isn't fulfilling. Totally. Really well said. Thanks. (laughs) All right. So now I'm going to turn this around and I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing. Uh, well, I definitely have found like, especially in more recent years that like, you know, while I've been developing a lot of personal projects on my own, I've been really enjoying the projects where we come together as a team at Curio. So, uh, the one project that comes to mind for me is this large illustrated map that we created for the Royal Alberta Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Royal Alberta Museum is a museum here in Edmonton that was, Uh, rebuilt and like relaunched um, maybe like a year and a half ago so we were contracted to do a variety of illustration projects for them for the permanent exhibitions okay so the 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 project was uh, it's like it's permanently exhibited in the children's museum and it's like basically right when you walk into the children's museum there's this giant illustrated map of like all these elements like hundreds of elements on the province of Alberta and all three of us worked on it together over many months and we had to kind of like sync our illustration styles and like work as a team and do so much research and development and it was just so so challenging but to see it finished and know that we all played a part in it uh, really brought our team closer together and I feel like it was like a defining moment in a lot of ways because we've worked on projects like since then that are like very collaborative in nature like basically without any sort of real stress or like, I'm, I'm not sure like how often you work in tandem with other designers or illustrators, but sometimes it can be like a little bit of an ego play. And for us, like we've really figured out a way to be really graceful when we work together. So I would say that for me, like the relationships I have with them and that project specifically is just something I'm very, very proud of. Very cool. And that's up in the museum full time? It is. Yeah. Like it's in their permanent exhibition. Awesome. Very cool. Hmm. Um, Amanda, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Um, well, I'm sure that many people in the past like have told you like that Procreate is just so awesome on the iPad. So that is like <laughs> one technical tool I can't not say I yeah. love. I do love it. But as far as like a community, um, like over recent years, I've developed this project called Women in Can- Canadian Women in Design. And um, that, that project has been really valuable to me in the sense that I've met so many um, interesting and intelligent and amazing women across Canada that are kind of doing, uh, in some cases, what I'm doing with like managing a studio and managing parenthood and all of this. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's like, um, the, the thing that I've been kind of growing on the side that's helped like with that support system that I, I mentioned earlier, like seeing other people, uh, have like relatable stories and like living the life that I live is just very comforting. And it's been, it's been so wonderful to grow that. Very cool. That sounds like a really cool project. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully it'll continue to grow. Are you familiar with, um, ladies wine and design? I am. I think there's like, um, I mean, we have a chapter that just opened up here in Edmonton, like maybe six months ago. It's two, two lovely ladies. So I've been to one of their events, actually hosted one of their events here at the studio. And it's like, it's really, really fun. And I've, I've noticed there's a lot of different chapters all over like North America and probably over the world now. All over the world now. It's incredible. 
Yeah, that's really wild. So it's nice to see like these things, these things starting to kind of blow up. I love it. Yeah, they're a very cool event. Mm-hmm. I interviewed uh, Steph Ganea back in uh, one of the earlier episodes of the Quickie Podcast, but she is a co-founder of the Vancouver chapter. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, so check out that episode because she's got some great things to say about it too. I will do so. <laughs> um, now's the time of the show for the Ask It Forward question, Amanda. I have a question for you from my previous guest, and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. Okay. So my last guest was Danny Lin, who works out of the University of Washington as a designer there. And he wanted to ask, what can a designer do right now to make the world a better place? Ooh, that is like a huge question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, oh my gosh. Well, I do feel like... um, I mean, if I if I bring this back to like what I try to strive for, because I do feel like we're in a day and age where there's a lot of intense things happening in the world, and like you go on social media, and it just seems like every day there's something new to be worried about. Um, I feel that like designers, we are visual storytellers. So if it if it even at a base level, we have like the creativity and the wherewithal to communicate ideas through like you know, picture and word, and we can use our voices to, you know, to mobilize different movements. So like, you know, what that looks like may be different for many different people. But I know for me, like, um, you know, I, I really want there to be a, like a thriving natural world for my son to appreciate. I want him to see like living animals and plants when he is an adult. So Mm -hmm. Uh, I cling on to the idea that like creating illustrations about um, plants and like botanical illustration is the way that I can like uh, share with the world um, the importance of these things. But that's like, you know, that's my personal uh, take. There are many different, there's many different issues at play going on in the world and designers can grab one of those issues and like use their talent to voice an opinion. Definitely. Well said. Um, Yeah. Amanda, what is your question? Okay, so, like, there's a joke that kind of goes around the office. Like, we all love eating all different kinds of food here in Mm -hmm. the office. And especially when we're stressed out, we really like to eat things, especially, like, really bad and healthy things. (laughs) And the the term that we use, and I think, like, Rachel might have coined it, but it's, I need to talk to some food about this. (laughs) (laughs) So, um my question for the next person is like, what food do you talk to when you get stressed out? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so for I, me, it's, it's croissants and pizza. <laughs> oh, well, the, the carbs, all of the carbs. Of course. Of course. I need to talk to some food about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I'm really looking forward to asking that question next. <laughs> Sounds good. Amanda, you've reached the end of the show. Thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was happy chatting with you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. And the question I have for you then is, what food do you talk to? Thanks, everyone, again. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow. So see you then.